all started one night at youth group. Pastor Mike, our youth director, asked us what we remember dreaming about as kids. It was like we opened this huge toy box in our minds. Kara spoke first. <laughs> I can remember dressing up and pretending to be a princess, sipping tea with the queen. I would make up silly dialogue like, oh, Cecily, do you care for Earl Grey? And I would stick my pinky out and respond, oh, yes, I've always liked him. <laughs> I dreamed of being a superhero. I had this Superman cape and all kinds of special powers that would help me fight off the evil forces that threatened to destroy the very fabric of the sofa. Yeah, I wasn't Superman or anything, but I remember this one Halloween costume I slept in until Christmas. I was Luke Skywalker. <laughs> the hero thing was big. I thought back to recess when all the girls would gather around the merry-go-round and talk about our clothes and boys and spin the world in our dreams. Around and round and round it goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. Uh, we would scour the house for anything we could find, like brooms and the wrapping paper tube things to pretend they were swords or weapons. Dun, 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 we create battles on the linoleum floor, onto the patio, and into the neighbor's evil flower beds. <laughs> we spent hours just talking and fighting. Until the school bell would ring for class. Or mom would call, dinner! <laughs> but once we got past the playground or the backyard, our dreams really changed. Yeah, and the princesses of the playground became mean girls who no longer played together but excluded others for no reason. Look how ugly her jeans are. Send her a text. Yeah. I got in trouble for fighting, even though I was defending someone else. I got sent home from school and yelled at by my dad for doing what I thought was the right thing. Any sense of honor or loyalty got set aside for competition. Yeah, you gotta be the best. So what if you have to cheat? Or step on the little guy? You're nothing if you're not number one. Our dreams gave way to jealousy and comparison. Why did Jason ask her to the dance? Why can't I have hair like hers? If I could just look like that. If I could just have that bag. If I could just. If I could just. If I could only. If I could only. Step right up and spin the cosmic dream wheel. Spin it as hard as you can and take your chances. You might get lucky and win that scholarship or new car. I'll spin. Oh, too bad you flunked ninth grade. Husband. Have a luck next time. Husband. <laughs> Come on, does that change? No, parents lose their business. And what's the point? Yeah, girls don't dream about guys anymore. They dream about vampires. Well, guys don't dream about girls anymore. They dream about supermodels. Yeah, some 170-year-old pasty white vampire. And girls with body parts that don't even exist in nature. You want to be popular? Dream on. You thought you'd be prom king? You were dreaming. Wait, wait, wait. You want to date her? In, in your, your dreams. dreams. <laughs> well, all of a sudden, we realized that our conversations about dreams had turned bitter. You're just so full of disappointment and disillusion with the whole concept of even dreaming. Yeah, dreams have become something stupid people had. If you were dreaming, you were delusional. Irresponsible. Not paying attention. And you need to wake up and face facts. And that's when Pastor Mike said, Do you remember the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000? The story of the loaves and the fish? He said, Callan, stand up. He made me the kid. He said he was probably the same age as me, maybe even younger. And all he had was a few rolls and some sardines in a bag. 
And he offered it. How stupid. And he actually thought it would matter? How foolish. How ridiculous. How incredible. Yeah, I mean, he needed that food. I bet he packed just enough for himself. Yeah, you gotta look out for number one. If he's gonna bring a bag to Jesus, it needs to be a nicer one. But Pastor Mike said it's not about the bag. It's, it's not even about the lunch, but it's about the hands he chose to put it in. In the kid's hands, the bag was small and crumbled, held barely enough for even him. And that's when it hit me. Our dreams aren't too big, they're too small. Yeah, like carrying that kind of purse or fitting into those jeans or even getting into that college. Or getting onto that team or passing that class or dating that girl. Yeah, we hold our dreams too tightly in our sweaty hands and they shrink. And they get all crumpled and they seem barely enough to satisfy us. So we get cynical and angry. What's the point of dreaming? But if we could find the courage to put them in his hands... Um, Jesus, you know that thing you did with my lunch? Could you do that with my life? Could, could you take my dreams? Would they become bigger dreams? Like making me who you've called me to be? Like learning to love others in a way that changes the world. Like using the gifts you've given me to make a difference. And that's when it all started. A desire to make our lives count. To be a part of something bigger than ourselves. To see God work in huge ways. If he can do it with a loaf of bread, imagine what he can do with more. Our hearts. Our minds. Our dreams. Dust them off. Pick up the pieces of the ones that got crushed. (laughs) You know, maybe I will have tea with the queen and share with her about the king. Yeah, I'll put the cape on my heart and I'll stand up for what I believe in. And with honor, I'll fight for good with the light of the world. And dream on. Dream on. What are you waiting for? Dream on. Good morning, Creekside. Greetings from Eugene, Oregon. I like your weather a lot better here. Do you have a dream? What is your dream? Are you ready to receive God's dream for your life in this season? Don't ever underestimate the power of a dream. Did you know before there was the very first airplane, it was first a dream in the mind and heart of Orville and Wilbur Wright. Before there was a light bulb, it was first a dream in the mind of Thomas Edison. Before there was the United States of America, it was first a dream in the heart of our founding fathers. Before there was a civil rights movement, it was first a dream in Martin Luther King Jr. And most importantly, before there was Disneyland, it was first a dream in the mind of Walt Disney. Now I woke up this morning with a very captivating dream. We've been on the road and we've been at an awesome summer camp this last week. With your wonderful young people and your youth staff and But I woke up pretty early this morning. I had this dream for Starbucks. That's all I could think about. Now, is that a dream? No, I think that's more of a craving. Back home, I have this neighbor. He drives up and down the street in this really, really nice car. And I'm dreaming now about this car. I have a dream where I'm actually driving this car. I own this car. 
Is that a dream? No, I think that's more of a craving. I have this neighbor back home who drives up and down my street in this really great car. Driving back and forth, and I'm looking at that car, and I'm starting to now dream about this car. I have a dream for the car and for me in the car, driving the car, owning this car. I have a dream. Is that a dream? No, I think the Bible calls that coveting. (laughs) Another dream that I have is I get to travel with these wonderful young people who not only love Jesus with all their heart, but they're really gifted in a lot of different ways, and they can sing so good. I'm like, God, that's my dream. I want to sing. And he's like, no. See, that's not a dream. That's a fantasy. (laughs) So this morning, I'm not going to talk to you about cravings, about coveting, about fantasies. I want to talk to you about God-given dreams that come from above, that come from the very throne room of God, and they are deposited and planted in your lives, in your hearts. I want to talk to you about being dream-driven people. It talks about this in the Bible in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. It says, in the last days, which is now, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then what's going to happen? It says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. They'll be stirred to share inspiring messages that touch people's hearts. Your young men, they're going to see stuff. They're going to see visions, the pictures of a preferred future that God lays out for them to perceive. And your old men, they're going to get involved too. (laughs) They're going to dream dreams. Notice that the inspiration, the activity of the Holy Spirit is not gender exclusive. It's not age exclusive. Everybody's involved. And this is what makes Christians, the the body of Christ, the church, I believe distinct, is how we're guided, how we're led, how we're directed. And it's supernatural. It's inspirational. It's prophetic. It's visions. It's dreams. And that's how we move. And that's how we are guided. By God's Holy Spirit. An Old Testament corresponding verse, Jeremiah 29 and verse 11 says, For I know the plans slash dreams I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans, dreams to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Our chancellor up at New Hope Christian College, Wayne Cadero, puts it this way. He says, in the heart of every person, you and I, is a dream of what they can be for God. The power of dreams. What would happen? What would we be left with without godly dreams and visions and inspiration? What would we be left with to be guided, led, and directed? Simply logic? Reason? Peer pressure? Culture? Society, fear, impulse, but rather with the dreams of God activated in our lives, we'll be ruled, led, guided by the creativity of God, the innovation of God, the wisdom of God. 
coupled with the power and the gifts of God. You know, our dreams are going to come in two parts. Part A, part B. (laughs) And part A is the dream of who you can be. The type of person that God wants you to become. That's a powerful dream. A dream of you growing as a person. I've got a dream to be less selfish and more others-oriented. That's a powerful dream if you think about it. What if everybody on the planet was guided and led by a dream to be others-oriented? Be glorious. I love Galatians 5, and 23. That's kind of a dream verse for me personally. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Man, that, that's a powerful dream of who you can be. I, I'm a husband, and God's given me a dream to be a good husband, great husband. I'm a dad. God's given me a dream to be a, a great, nurturing, supportive, encouraging, wise dad. Don't ever underestimate the power of a, a dream of who you can be. Because remember, we're human beings first. We're not human doings. But there is part B to our dream. And part A is who you can be. Part B is then what you can do. Because God's got an exciting adventure for you. He's got an assignment. You've got a role to play. You're important. Do you know that my dream is going to be different than your dream? But they really complement one another. And if all of us are flowing in our dreams that God's given us, it's a symphony. It's an orchestra of supernatural blessing invading the earth. God's given you a dream of who you can be and what you can be doing in this season of your life. I remember right out of high school, early into college, God gave me a dream for high school students. So for the next 10 years, I jumped in and was a youth minister with Youth for Christ, national organization reaching out to students on high school campuses. Then after that 10-year period, God kind of modified my dream and gave me a dream for adults. Let's hear it for adults. So my wife and I and a team of people, we started a church. And I got to pastor that for 15 years. And after that, God modified my dream and gave me a, a dream for college students. And that's the dream that's burning in my heart today, is for college students. And actually, my dream is their dreams. And to see their dreams activated, released, and materialized into the world. That's my dream, is their dreams. To cheer them on, to support them, and, and, and see those dreams take flight. Dreams of who you can be. Dreams of what you can do. I want to give you some steps this morning. Some simple, but I believe powerful steps on how we can live out Acts 2.17, everybody. About releasing your dreams. The God-given dreams that are in there, because they're there. And so let's talk about step one, and that's discovery. The discovery phase of releasing your dreams. And this discovery phase is where God brings clarity to the dream. God doesn't want us walking around in a haze or a fog or going through life guessing. (laughs) He wants to bring light. He wants to bring illumination. He wants to bring guidance 
to our lives. And part of that is helping us, assisting us to perceive, recognize, to bring clarity to the dream that he's placed in your heart. Sometimes this can happen instantaneous for some of you. You get the dream all at one moment. In 3D, it's there. Then for some of us, you know, it, it's unfolded over time. But, you know, God's in charge of all that. He's all wise. He knows how he's going to help you to see, to discover that powerful dream. I don't believe we make up these dreams. I believe we receive these dreams from him. And then he helps us to recognize them. I, I'm so convinced that this is a season not just for Creekside, but for the body of Christ, that it's time to unearth, uncover, uncage the dreams of God. For some of us, you know, we've lost the dreams. Maybe um, the dreams have been stolen or they're hidden, but God wants to reawaken those powerful, needed dreams for you and for this world. Here's a great verse, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. So, so reassuring, it says, His divine power has, it's done, has given us everything. I like the whole idea of everything. I call it the everything package. He's given us the everything package. And in the everything package is godly dreams. They're in there. It says, He has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us. He's called you. He's calling you by His own glory and goodness. And through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises. You know, the dreams of God are not just like wishful thinking. They're stronger than that. They're deeper than that. The, the dreams of God are connected to something really solid. They're anchored to what? Very great and precious promises. Right there. So that through them, here are the benefits of being dream-driven. You may participate in the divine nature. The dreams he's planted in your life as you pursue them through faith, trusting in his strength to resource you, it changes you. It, it moves you to be transformed and become more and more like Jesus. And then it says, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, I want to escape the corruption, <laughs> How do we do that? Pursue good stuff. And we'll avoid snares, traps, and ambushes of this world and the toxic pollution of sin in this world because we're so focused on something good, we don't have time for this other stuff. It's another benefit, byproduct, consequence of being dream-driven. Dreams are powerful. You know, your dreams are my dreams. God's given us are like a seed. I'm kind of enamored with seeds. You know, they're so tiny, just little itty-bitty things. But they're so powerful. Think about a little seed and what's in that little seed. And once it does what a seed does, it sprouts stuff that has seeds in it that then sprouts other stuff that sprouts some more stuff and feeds the world, nourishes the world. Man, seeds are dynamic. Seeds are powerful. They're little, but man, there's a lot of stuff packed in to a seed. And your dream is like a seed, and there's so much packed in to that dream. But you know, in order for a seed to show off what a seed can do, it's got to go through a process. 
And Jesus talked about this process. And he says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. So we, like a seed, we get to go through a process that brings clarity and discovery. It talks about a seed falling. It means a seed has to disconnect from existing security systems. Areas of comfort that we rely on. And times our faith, God will have us detach from something that's not necessarily bad. But it's time to move on. And it may feel like you're falling and you're out of control. And, and that's a part of the discovery process. And then it talks about how the seed then just falls to the ground. And then what does the seed do? Nothing. Why? Because then the soil takes over. The soil just surrounds it. And the seed just lays in the soil. And then the soil goes to work. The darkness of the soil, the moisture of the soil, the pressure of the soil begins to act upon the seed. And then the seed kind of swells up. And then the outer shell does what? Dies. Cracks opens up, allowing the seed to sprout forth. So a lot of times God will use things on the outside to get at the things on the inside. And some of us at times have a hard outer casing that's holding back the spiritual DNA of a, of a powerful seed of a dream and God's got to crack that outer shell. It's got to die. It leads to brokenness, but that really leads to release. Whether it's pride, whether it's even fear, whether it's misconceptions, whether it's past hurts, there could be a variety of hard outer shells that's caging the beautiful seed of a dream that God's placed in you. So we go through this process where things break open. I have this friend, uh, John, and his wife, Becky, and he was telling me the story of them building their dream house. And so they bought a a piece of property, plot of land, and they went to an architect, and they came up with this beautiful design, a blueprint, rolled up, ready to go. They brought it home. We got our dream. We got our dream house. They placed it somewhere safe in the home. And he said, and Sean, time went by and we lost track of where we put the blueprints. (laughs) So it put the dream house on hold. But we continued to live life. And months later, he said, something happened in our home where we began to detect a foul odor. I mean, it was bad. Something had died and was decaying. So we got the kids together, it's all hands on deck, and we went on an all-out intense search because we had to find the source of this odor. So they started looking in places they've never looked before, and guess what? In their attempt to discover the source of a foul odor, they found the blueprints of the dream house. (laughs) Now, I'm not suggesting you got to have a foul odor in your life. (laughs) to rediscover your dream. (laughs) But I would suggest this, that God will use any and all disruptions in the environment of your life to get you to look, to discover, to apprehend the treasure of that supernatural God-given dream. 
in your life. The process of discovery. What dreams should we be searching for? Dreams for our marriage. Dreams for our kids. Dreams for ministries. For our families. For our schools. Dreams for our cities. And as that's discovered, there's clarity. That brings us to step two. And once the dream is being discovered, now it's time to develop it. And as we develop our dream, we bring strength and substance to our dreams. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 3 says, For a dream comes with much busyness and painful effort. There's some participation. God's our coach, and we're his athlete, and he's training and coaching us to develop the dream he's planted in our lives. Jesse Owens, kind of a hero for me. Uh, He won four gold medals in the 1936 Berlin Olympics, 100-200 long jump, 4 by 100 meter relay. And uh, he, he talks about dreams. I love this quote. He says, we all have dreams. But in order to make dreams come into reality, it takes an awful lot of determination, dedication, self-discipline, and effort. You know, I tell young people, don't try to be like Jesus. Train to be like Jesus. It's called discipleship. (laughs) And that's our spiritual training that develops our faith and develops the dream of God. Accountability, fellowship, study, practice, mentoring, education, practice, application. Those are all words that describe the developmental process of something beautiful God's given you in raw form. And as your faith is activated, he coaches you in discipleship, to develop that supernatural gift of that dream. Training is a gift from the Lord. Discipleship. Paul talks about this. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 and 25, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into optional training. Is that what it says? Uh Uh-uh. Uh, Everyone who competes in the games goes into casual training. Is that what that says? Oh, no. It says goes into strict training. Why? Because it's so important. It's so powerful. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. This wonderful worship team we call Momentum, you know, they don't try to lead worship. They train <laughs> to lead worship. You know how many hours of rehearsal they put in? I mean, they've got the God-given DNA of a worship leader in them. The seed is there. But they train to develop and strengthen that. I have a friend who organizes a triathlons. And he said to me one day, Hey, Sean, why don't you come and participate in this triathlon? that I'm organizing. I'm like, well, what is a triathlon? He goes, oh, it's no big deal. It's just, it's a swim, it's a bike, and it's a run. And it's a sprint. Triathlon means it's shorter than most. So I think there's the sprint measurement, I think there's the Olympic triathlon measurement, and then there's the ultra. He goes, Sean, we're just doing the sprint. It's just 600 meters in the water, it's 13 miles on a bike, and it's a 5K, 3.1 run. I'm like, oh, Okay, great, yeah, sure. So the next thing I do is I get on the phone. I call my friend. 
hey, you want to come and participate with me in this triathlon? And he had no idea what I was talking about, but he said, sure. So we get in the car. We're all excited. We're going to go do this triathlon. And we get out there, and we get out on the dock because the swim's first, 600 meters. You see the orange buoy out there, 300 meters out. It's just out and back. And I'm so excited. I'm all jacked up, ready to go. Come on, somebody say go. And so my friend says, you know, on your mark, get set, go. And there's a ton of us, and we all jump in the water. It's so exciting. I'm in a triathlon. 25 seconds into this, I know I'm in big trouble. <laughs> I'm hyperventilating already. And so I, I can't even do freestyle anymore. I have to dog paddle <laughs> just to breathe. And, and before I know it, I'm in second to last place. The only person I'm beating, you guessed it, is my friend I invited. <laughs> And it just gets worse from there. I get out to a halfway point, the 300 meters, I'm turning around, I look up at the dock, there's this elderly lady, she's climbing out of the water and she's on a sprint for the bike already. <laughs> so I'm like, get me out of this water, I'm dying. And I get on the bike and, you know, I'm like, I got to catch somebody. I'm pedaling as hard as I can, as fast as I can, nothing. People are catching me. And I'm looking back for my friend, I, I know he's coming. And I'm like, then I tell myself, I just got to get on my feet, and I just need to get running. And I compete uh, in age group track in the 800, so I thought, I just need to get running, and maybe I can catch somebody. <laughs> okay, well, I get off the bike, and I'm like this. I'm like, I can't even walk, let alone run. And I remember thinking, why do people do this? <laughs> oh, and the moral of the story is what? Is I tried to do a triathlon. I did not train to do a triathlon, and the results showed themselves for what they were. So the development phase of your dream, it brings strength, which then leads me to the last step. So there's the discovery. God will assist us, work with us to bring clarity, illumination to who he's made you to be and assignments that he's placed in your life. And then we develop that dream. We participate with God, and we bring strength to that. And then finally, it's time to take a step. It's time now to deploy that dream and put that dream into what? Into motion. Because when something's put into motion, it has a chance to build momentum, which has a chance then to bring impact. And ultimately, we're all designed as followers of Jesus to be a blessing. And when your dream is not only discovered, then developed, and then deployed, that in the deployment of that dream, the blessing of the dream travels with that dream and it impacts and affects other people. That's why dreams are so important. I believe that God will answer every question on the planet. He will provide solution to every problem on the planet, but they're all contained where? In the dreams of his people. So the dream's got to get unlocked and uncaged to answer questions and solve problems <laughs> for Jesus. And so deployment gets that thing moving. And when that thing gets moving, I think your joy level rises because you're right where you're supposed to be and you're who you're supposed to be. But the thing about deploying your dream is, you know, you've got to start somewhere. And I know a lot of times that first step can seem unrefined and awkward. And you may be thinking to yourself, yeah, I, I understand. I've got to deploy, but... I'm not sure the timing's just right. I'm not sure the situations are the way I would envision them for me to make a move. 
I'm going to suggest this morning that the best time for you to deploy your dream is right about now. Now is the time. Those first steps aren't always easy. I love what uh, Louis L'Amour says when he was asked. Louis L'Amour is a, a famous Western author. And he's written so many books, volumes and volumes. And so somebody asked him, Louis, what is the secret? What's the key to you being so productive as an author? He says this. He says the secret is start writing. No matter what. The water does not flow until the faucet is turned on. I love that. Turn on that faucet. Take a step of faith. Deploy your dream. I mentioned that I worked with high school students for about 10 years. And I worked with an organization called Youth for Christ. And Campus Life was the high school division. So I was a Campus Life director for about 10 years. There's a high school in my city, Eugene, called North Eugene. God gave me a dream for North Eugene. And at that time, it didn't have any kind of youth ministry in it. And so I discovered this dream through prayer and counsel and I just knew that I was being directed. So then I did some development of that dream and built a team and, and built a staff and raised some money. And so I did the discovery, the development. Okay, now it's time to deploy. So I'm going to go to the high school and I'm going to walk on campus in the fall, right as school started. And I'm going to go on during lunch. We call it a walkthrough, a run-through. And I'm going to you know, start introducing myself to kids and begin a ministry. I didn't know a single student. I didn't know a single teacher or faculty member. And I was really, really nervous. <laughs> I was fear-ridden. But I get in my minivan, and I'm heading over to North Eugene High School to deploy my dream. <laughs> and I'm going to the high school, and I'm shaking and sweating. And, and there's the school right there, and I'm driving up to it. And I'm like, I just can't do that. So I drove right on by. True story. I went by, and I thought, Maybe I'll come back next week, you know. And I get to a stop sign, and God starts dealing with me like, Sean, okay, relax, I'm, I'm with you, you're okay, <laughs> go back. I'm like, okay. So I, re- I do a U-turn and go into the high school and at lunch, and I walk on campus, and it didn't go very good. Nobody said hi to me. <laughs> Didn't talk really to anybody, and to be honest with you, uh, some high school student flipped me the bird. You know, I was, that was tough. I was deploying my dream. <laughs> I was taking that first step. But let me fast forward four years down the road after that. We were reaching hundreds and hundreds of students, leading hundreds of students to Christ. We had students in Bible studies. We were taking them to retreats. I became the chaplain for the football team. I was the chaplain of the basketball team. Um, I was involved with students uh, at the smoker shed. Those were good friends of mine, and they came to know the Lord. And, and we had a staff. We were reaching pretty much every subculture of that campus. And, you know, you have a, a different demographics on a high school campus. And there's different subcultures that make up the whole culture. And so we had targeted all the different types of people because Jesus loves every different type of people, and that was four years into this dream, and it was glorious, but it was nerve-wracking, and I'm going to suggest, when you deploy your dream, you're not going to feel all in control, it's not going to be all fluid, but Jesus is with you, 
And in your weakness, actually, his strength is made perfect. He's just looking for somebody to say yes. Somebody says, I'm available. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4 says, If you wait until the wind and weather are just right, you'll never plant anything and never harvest anything. Dreams can be like farming. When you deploy your dreams, it's like scattering seed, and you may not see something right away. You stay faithful. Stay faithful, and God will bring the increase. God will bring the growth, and it'll be a blessing. It'll be a blessing to you, because that's important to God. He loves you, and he wants this dream to bring joy to your life while we're here. And it's going to bring blessing to other people, and what it's going to do, it's going to draw them to Christ, and they can receive the joy of the Lord as well. Dreams are powerful, aren't they? Not wishful thinking. They're from above. They're from God. And he plants vision, inspiration, prophetic direction, dreams into our hearts. So we need to discover them, develop them, deploy them, and uh, Jesus will be glorified. Amen. Can I pray for you this morning for this awesome church? Before